This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1 800 889 9789. Hello and welcome to the In the Pen podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm joined by Rick Graham. We're without Callan Elslager today as he has decided to watch football. Boo, but that's okay. <laughs> At least we got the two of us. Rick, how's it going? How's your week going? How uh, how you feeling about wrapping up your fantasy leagues later this month? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going good. I think it could be a little bit better. I've had a couple disappointing mm-hmm. finishes to the fantasy season, but uh, yeah, still you know fighting and scrapping in some leagues, trying to work my way into a championship round matchup or something um but yeah it's it's um it's you know i i I too am excited for football season as well but this is still this is still to me i don't this is still peak baseball season and yeah i've uh you know you know the last month of the year plus playoffs is the best best baseball we get yeah next week's just going to be a solo podcast (laughs) it's just me (laughs) talking relievers (laughs) to myself um do i sound any different um a little bit yeah yeah. oh i have a i have a mustache i I guess you can hear that yeah that's (laughs) what it is it's like this this like you aged like 15 years overnight or something yeah i'm i'm glad that it comes over the uh the audio because i wanted the listeners to know that i also <laughs> that i have a mustache and uh i'm working on it I, I do not have great facial hair not only does it come in too light i can't really grow a beard but also it comes in uh in in a color that's too light so it just looks like i have a shadow <laughs> above my mouth but you know we're, we're going for it we're trying something new um but in terms of relievers, that's what we're here to talk about. And as always, we'll go over the injuries and transactions from the past week. We'll look at Rick's closer rankings, look at three guys that are rising, three guys that are falling. And then we'll talk about players that we were right about in the preseason. Uh, take some victory laps. And then next week, if you stay tuned, we'll talk about the players we were wrong about. And you can hear us uh, talk about how we can learn from our mistakes, which is always the best way mm-hmm. that you can go about that. Um, and then uh, we'll wrap things up with some relievers that we'll be watching over the next week. But uh, you ready to get started with some uh, news from the last week? Yeah, let's do it. 
All right. So we'll start off with our injuries. We have a few, none as notable as last week's when we had a couple big closers and a couple big setup men hit the IL. But now yeah. we've uh, we've got some other ones that are somewhat notable. We'll start off with Jason Adam of the Rays, who was placed on the 15-day IL with a strained left oblique. He was the setup man basically all year for the Rays and was doing a great job of that and also filled in whenever Pete Fairbanks got injured and now he's gone. But I think this is good news for a certain individual on the race. How, how are you feeling things turn out here in Tampa Bay? And do you think Jason Adam makes it back before the season is over? Ooh, I mean, obliques are tough, even if it's a mild one, um, especially, yeah, once you, once you start seeing players hit the like 15 day at this point in the season, yeah. it's, you know, you really, you pretty much, you know, can drop them in any league. I, I would say, um, even if you don't yeah. have aisle, if you have no aisle spots, they're, they're and obliques. Drop. Obliques are really tough. They're like in terms yeah. of like oh, yeah. figuring out when a player is going to come back from those because it can be like two weeks and also it can mm-hmm. be like ten. Yeah, and then the simplest thing you could sneeze wrong, and then all of a sudden yeah. you, you know, you're out another fifteen days. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that hurts. That e that that definitely hurts the the Rays bullpen. Um, does give Robert Stevenson a little bit of a boost in uh, holds leagues? I guess. I mean, I, I put him at as the top holds uh, option in my wow. ranks today because he's just he's got five holds in the past two weeks, and he is. I mean, he's just on another level right now. Mm-hmm. It's I've never seen anything uh, like it with what he's doing with his strikeout rate and swinging <laughs> swinging strike rate. It's it's incredible. Um, yeah. So yeah, that one-two punch of Fairbanks and Stevenson in the eighth and ninth uh, is still still very lethal for for Tampa Bay. And if they get Adam back for the playoffs, you know that's that gives them a really good seventh, eighth, ninth inning. Um, they're going to need it because they they you know they've, they've had all sorts of issues this year of injuries and in the rotation especially. Yeah, so they're going to probably shorten up guys starters and then you know if they can find a you know solid six seventh inning guy or solid six inning guy you know you have your starters go five innings and then you know give it off to the bullpen which is the typical raise way of doing things anyway yeah in leagues without unlimited aisle spots are you dropping jason adam yeah if, if there's no aisle spot even in holes leagues unless it's a dynasty i would i'd drop them Okay, fair enough. And then we had Jojo Romero of the Cardinals being placed on the 15-day IL with left knee patellar tendonitis just when he was starting to give us a lot of hope that he may take over that closer role in St. Louis. Got a couple saves, was pitching really well over the past couple of months. He hits the IL, but it sort of works out for the Cardinals as they get to basically immediately replace him with Ryan Helsley. How do you think the closer situation is going to work out here? Are we going to see a committee? Is it going to be Helsley? Are we just back? to where we were when the season started with the Helsley Gallegos <laughs> committee. Uh, how are you feeling here? And is Jojo Romero a drop in all leagues? Uh, basically, it's like the same committee. Yeah, I think Romero is probably a drop because, again, it's, you know, we're talking he might be back for the last week of the season. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're probably dropping him in, unless you're in super deep leagues or something like that. But. Yeah, I think we're back to the Gallegos Helsley committee where I still think uh, for now Gallegos is going to be the leader. Uh, whatever save opportunities come for uh, for the Cardinals, I mean, it looks like what the plan with Helsley is to kind of just have him pitch twice a week, um, mm-hmm. throw about twenty pitches twice a week, and I don't know if it matters what inning he throws, I, but I, I know it's pretty much scripted with with how he's going to pitch down the stretch. So 
I would prefer Gaia Ghost still to Helsley. Um, I don't know for all of you who have been holding out hope for Helsley, that's just doesn't look like it's gonna gonna you know be much value for him the rest of the way. Yeah, because it's I mean after such a long layoff, it's hard to determine how good he's actually going to be. I mean, it's going to be a really small sample that we see him anyway, but also like the fact that he's splitting time there and that he won't pitch on back to back days. It's a it's a difficult situation to try to guess how much value you're going to get there. And it's probably not going to be a lot because the Cardinals aren't that great. So they're not getting many save opportunities anyway. So that's where things stand in St. Louis. And then we have a, a few setup men that also hit the IL Keenan Middleton of the Yankees landed on the 15-day IL with right shoulder inflammation. Josh Spores of the Rangers was placed on the 15-day IL with a strained left hamstring. And Daniel Bard of the Rockies landed on the 15-day IL with right forearm fatigue. Who is most notable of these three to land on the IL? Who do you think is most impactful in terms of fantasy? Um, You know, Spores hurts uh, a lot. He was really falling apart the last couple of weeks but yeah his era is know, almost six he, I, it, and when he before he originally was placed on the il i mean he was having an unbelievable season he mm-hmm. was you know becoming one of the top setup men in baseball looked like a shirt like a, a locked in you know set up eight, eighth inning guy for, for texas and then yeah i got injured came back was never the same really and now he's back on the il and Still, still an interesting name to keep an eye on for next year. Uh, I, there's, he's so close. I feel like to just having a really big like breakout season. I thought it was going to be this year, but uh, definitely an intriguing arm. Uh, Middleton too was having a good year. Um, he even when he moved to when we went to the Yankees, he still he didn't wasn't getting a ton of holds, but he was still you know throwing the ball well, getting a ton of strikeouts. His, yeah, he's swinging this stuff. Yeah, swinging this stuff even got better. Yeah, in New York. So, um, you know, Blue Isaac probably gets a little bit of a bump there, especially with now, you know, Chad Green's in the rotation. So their bullpen kind of, which after the deadline was, you, you mean know, Michael King? Michael King, yeah. Jack, uh, I'm so confused. I know, oh, yeah, I'm getting my <laughs> Yankees starters slash middle relievers mixed up. Um, yeah. But yeah, so. It's pretty much Loisega and Holmes and and Canely right now is the only uh, you know the the back end of that bullpen. So, um, yeah, but Middleton be a free agent also this uh, this this uh off season. Mm-hmm. Another one of those guys that I'm kind of there's a lot of interesting names in free agency this year. Yeah, like what are, what what are they gonna yeah what are they gonna sign for? How much money is anyone? Yeah, so. We'll have lots of time to talk about that yeah. this offseason. Yeah, Middleton had a 0.68 ERA and a 34% strikeout rate with the Yankees. That was in a 13-inning sample. That's pretty cool. Um, you mentioned Loisaga. He's got five holds since returning. He's got a 0.56 ERA, but he struck out just under yeah. 11% of the batters he's faced. So that's somewhat concerning. I mean, he's clearly having success and this is a guy that I wouldn't say was ever a huge strikeout guy, but a strikeout rate that low is uh, almost unplayable Mm. in terms of fantasy, but I mean, he's having so much success, but it's, it's clearly a product of his one Oh nine BABIP and 92% left on base. Right. So I I think that's a guy that you can sort of just ride while he's hot and Mm -hmm. being the top setup guy in New York, but as soon as things start to go by the wayside, I think it's probably time to let go because those, those strikeouts are uh, are really hurting you. The lack of them, should I yeah. say? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Daniel Bard a little bit more later, but uh, that covers the injuries. So now we can move over to the transactions. We already mentioned Ryan Helsley being activated from the 60-day IL with a forearm strain, and we sort of already mentioned Chad Green being activated <laughs> from the 60-day IL after undergoing Tommy John surgery. We talked about him last week. He is on the Blue Jays now, and he missed a long time, but he is back, and he is acting as a middle reliever and – I mean, I think we can go over this one quickly. I don't think he's going to have a lot of fantasy impact here, especially with how deep this bullpen has become. No, not this year. I, this, he's definitely more of a, a wait and see, see, see what happens in spring of next year. And maybe he becomes another, you know, holds target for next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this year I'm not really buying in yet. It's, it's tough that first month coming back from Tommy John, your commands all over the place. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little usually messy. Yeah, and we had a couple other guys activated from the 60-day IL. We had Mason Miller of the A's activated from the 60-day IL after dealing with a mild UCL sprain, and John Brebbia of the Giants activated from the 60-day IL after dealing with a right lat strain. It may be a little bit curious why I mentioned Mason Miller here, but they will actually be using him out of the bullpen for the rest of the year, limited to 50 pitches per outing, and that's somewhat interesting. He did get a hold his last time out, which is weird because he pitched multiple Mm -hmm. innings but this is a guy with elite stuff and he's pitching in a bullpen that is super shallow he's going to be more of a bulk reliever but i I think that plays well in lots of leagues is this somebody that you're interested in leagues where these multi-inning relievers are pretty valuable or i mean even in very very deep holds leagues yeah i i I think so i mean just based off the pure stuff and we we know i mean it's going to play up probably in the bullpen too yeah the strikeout numbers will be there. I, I threw him on the holds list today. Just it's just tough to gauge where to really put him, but um, definitely an intriguing arm, and uh, you know someone who can kind of be like you know what Michael King. That's Michael King and what Chad Green used to be. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but those two guys, you know, like a a, bo- a two to three inning guy who gets a hold here and there, maybe a win. Uh, probably not too many with the, with the A's, unfortunately, yeah. but. Um, Definitely, yeah, good. Hopefully, good source of you know strikeouts and keep, keep your ratios down. Yeah, and then John Brebbia in San Francisco, they like to employ lots of bulk relievers. So basically, any traditional reliever that comes in is a candidate for holds. But Brebbia has been pretty good for them the past couple of years. Was good prior to getting injured this year. Had a sub 3.5 ERA, a strikeout rate over 30%. He locked down six holds. Um, is this somebody that you're picking up in, in 15 team holds leagues or deeper? Um, It's close. He's I've always liked Brebbia. Um, this bullpen's a little bit deep at the moment. I mean, Luke Jackson's mm-hmm. been pitching pretty, pretty well for the most part. Yeah. Um, and even though Ty- Tyler Rogers has been struggling, I'm sure they're not, he's not going to lose his setup role anytime soon. So I think I'm kind of a wait and see on Brebbia, but um, yeah, definitely an intriguing, another intriguing arm and someone the Giants are going to lean on probably as they make a push here in the last month of the season. Yeah. And then the final IL activation we have is Tyler Kinley, who was activated from the 15 day IL after dealing with right elbow inflammation. This one's notable, not because Kinley has been particularly good this year, but because he's gotten the Rockies last two saves. Um, It looks like Lawrence is starting to, lose that role there he's really been struggling recently i mean yeah it looks like it might have happened already but uh 
uh, is Kinley somebody that you're going to be picking up prospectively as there's likely not many saves on the wire at this point in the season? Yeah, I like him over Lawrence. Uh, or I like him over what any like Lawrence has been at all this year. I, I think Kinley, I know he's battled a ton of injuries, but he he's kind of the last, he's like the last good Rockies reliever outside of, you know, Daniel Barr from two years ago. Sure. It's, it's like, Kinley has been he's proven he can pitch there and, and pitch well there um, and he's got their last two saves so it makes sense for them to kind of for him to be the closer there I think and uh, especially with how bad Lawrence has been um, yeah if you're if you're like in, in a roto league you need saves down the stretch definitely definitely look to, to Kinley because he's probably not going to cost you too much in fab. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be running to the wire for a Rockies reliever with an ERA no. nearing seven. Yeah, but it's um, short, small sample size. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can definitely blame it on that and not Coors Field. Um, <laughs> the final four transactions we have to discuss is Jorge Lopez, who was claimed off waivers by the Orioles. He was pitching for the Marlins is hard to keep track. He's pitched for so many teams. Minnesota than Marlins. Yeah. That's right. Um, James Karinchak of the Guardians was optioned to the minors again. Um, and then Luke Little and Andrew Salfrank both had their contracts selected from the minors by the Cubs and Diamondbacks, respectively, and both were really good in the minors have, and have some interesting stuff. Um, I, I'll let you choose. Who do you want to talk about? Um. I so Luke Little is someone who definitely piqued uh, mm-hmm. my interest a little bit just because of well he's a left-handed pitcher who throws you you know touches ninety-seven miles per hour that's always yeah. that's always going to be you know perk your ears up a little bit especially he's a huge dude he's six mm-hmm. eight two twenty yeah. um and for you know he's had some interesting um, minor league numbers as well there's definitely some swing and miss there. I wonder, you know, it, I, you know, think there's a chance because there's not a ton of left. There's he's like, it's, who's the other lefty in that bullpen? It's him and it's one other. It's Drew Smiley, I think, who's not even really. He's more of a bulk reliever. So I, I think there's a yeah. chance for for a little to kind of rise up here as long as his command is uh, not a huge issue. I mean, that's kind of always been his thing. He's talking yeah. about James, James Karen Jack. It's you know mm-hmm. similar from the right this is just from the left side so yeah little's an in, definitely an intriguing name in that cubs bullpen yeah he's he's risen from high a to triple a this year pitching to a 2.12 era across those three levels um at the higher two stops double a AA and triple a he had a strikeout rate north of 40 percent at each of those but his walk rate was yeah. well over 13 percent at each of those at double a was over 18 percent. so you're right to mention that the walks will be something that he'll need to figure out if he wants to have success at the major league level but the stuff is clearly there there's few lefties that can throw it as hard as he does and with that imposing frame that makes him pretty interesting he is still only 22 so that'll be something to keep an eye on well he's in his age 22 season he's 23 Mm -hmm. um but nonetheless that's very young especially for a pitcher let alone a reliever so that's a definitely an interesting name out there may hopefully can get into the holds conversation uh in terms of sal frank though since we started on the young guys coming up he 
is somewhat interesting. He's 25. He's 26. He's in his age 25 season. I did it again. Um, he pitched at double A AA and triple A this year, and he had success at both levels 2.70 ERA at double A, 2.35 ERA at triple A. Basically, the same sample size is there. He had a 32% strikeout rate at double A and a near 38% strikeout rate at triple A. The walk rates are pretty high, but nothing near what uh, Luke Little was doing. But I think South Frank's pretty interesting. There's a lot of guys in this bullpen, so we won't likely get into that holds conversation there but the amount of success he had in the minor leagues backed up by underlying metrics like x flips in the mm. low threes sort of suggests that you know that i think this guy might actually be the real deal he's also a lefty and he's also i'm pretty tall six three taller than me um <laughs> but they, they i mean the diamondbacks just keep pumping out lefties i know that's that surprised me when i saw him come up i'm like oh it's another lefty here um but I guess the you know man supply hasn't been the same this year, and Nelson has been very hit or miss lately. Um, yeah, so there's there still could be a need there if they started to sour on Nelson a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, an, an interesting name, probably someone. Yeah, maybe to monitor more for next year. But yeah, we'll see how how the rest of the uh, the way goes for him because. Yeah, they're that bullpen. I mean, they're still just trying to find like you know three or four guys they can trust there. I've, I think they have two right now, and the rest is you know still to be determined. Yeah, and then uh, I, we'll wrap things up with Jorge Lopez here, uh, third team this year, and he's back with the Orioles, who he was with I, a couple years ago. I forget yeah. when he landed with the Twins. I guess I could just open his player page and look at it. Um, he was with the Orioles in. 2022 in the first half that was when he was really good and then they traded him to the twins and then he was really bad and then he's not been the same ever since but now he's back in baltimore uh is there any hope there that you think they can get him back to what he was doing the last time he pitched for them yeah for sure i mean this feels just even even though looking at what he's done this year and what the numbers say maybe it doesn't seem like there's much hope but it's just one of the feels just like one of those things like he's going to return, you know, they haven't, they kind of have a need for a closer, I guess, because Batista's out and he could just walk back into the closer role by the end of the season. And then he's their closer in the playoffs. And it's just like, the, he was the same guy they had in the first half of last year. Um, mm-hmm. Baltimore has been doing a really good job finding these relievers and, you know, getting value out of, out of some names that we've never heard of before. And, Lopez certainly has the stuff um, to to be a really good, you know, reliever. We saw it last year, obviously. So it's you know him being back there where he's you know presumably comfortable. It, it, it should be should lead to some good results for him. It looks like he's already got a hold as well. Uh, yeah, since being back, that would be crazy if like the only place he can have success is the Orioles bullpen <laughs> I mean, because he sucked there as a starter. Yeah. Oh yeah. So th- that'll be something to watch. They'll have contractual control over him next year. So maybe mm-hmm. next year is when we see him get back to what he was doing for the Orioles in the first half of 2022. But uh, right now, I-, I think he's outside of the holds conversation. But like you said, already got a hold. So may- maybe we're wrong there. That- that'll be interesting to watch. But that's the transactions and injuries from the past week. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to cover the guys rising and falling in Rick's ranks here on In the Pen. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. 
Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on in the pen talking about relievers. We're going to cover Rick's reliever ranks. Uh, the closing time article almost forgot what it was called <laughs> after uh <laughs> years of doing this podcast years uh this might like for, i've been doing it for like a year and a half <laughs> episode 55 maybe yeah, yeah. <laughs> years um yeah so as always we cover three guys rising up rick ranks and three guys falling down rick rank rick's ranks so we'll start off that's a tongue twister that is. Um, we'll, we'll start off with the guys rising the ranks um who's the first guy you have that's uh that you're becoming more fond of in, in the closer territory. Uh, of course, this is feel like this happens all the time. I, I had Carlos Estevez. I moved him up a little bit this week because um, he had pulled off five straight outings without allowing uh, any runs or walks. And then, you know, of course, right after I did that, <laughs> he goes out and allows three hits to two earned. And um, but even still, even still, there's, you know the bigger the bigger thing with me putting him up. I think I rose him five or six spots. Uh, the the competition's gone. Yep. You know Matt Moore's gone. Reynaldo Lopez is gone. Uh, no one else in that bullpen is really pitching well at the moment. Nope. Um, so there's nobody with an ERA below four point two. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his job for the rest of the season. You know, oh, yeah. I, I don't think I hope Seriano was someone who intrigued me early on, but he's really struggled lately. Um. So yeah, it's it's got to be Estevez's job for the rest of the way, and there still should be some value left, even if it's going to be rocky. Uh, there's going to be a couple blown saves here and there, maybe, but uh, I'm sure he'll get some saves as well. Because as bad as this Angels team is, they have been somewhat competitive. I mean, they've he's he's at least had enough save opportunities over the past couple weeks to sure. to make him a value or you know a close and a monitor. So. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see what happens here. But yeah, he's he's at least the guy there. And there's about ten other there's about ten teams that don't have one set closer right now. So that at least puts him around you know twentieth spot in the rankings. Yeah, I think that's a, a stout evaluation there. Um, <laughs> it does bring up a good point though that like who's going to be the top setup options here because they lost three guys, maybe four. They lost three guys in the bullpen, Reynaldo Lopez, Matt Moore and Dominic Leone. And uh, yeah, now they're, they're sort Devensky of go too. Yeah. Oh, and Davinsky. Yes. I, yeah. I knew there was one more. Um, Yeah. So, so they've lost 
basically their entire bullpen. And now they, they called up, I think it was like five relievers they yeah. called up from the minors. And uh, so who's your favorite here if you had to choose in terms of Holtz? Um, I, I like, I mean, again, I like Soriano's stuff, but he's really been ineffective lately. Uh, Wance has had some, I don't know, Wance wants, he's, he's had some, some times where he's been a pretty good reliever. Uh, Ingram's kind of interesting, I guess, just from the left side. I, I mean, Aaron loops there, but I, I think they might, they should give you know, some of their, like a younger guy like Ingram a chance to see what he does in you know high leverage situations down the stretch um i don't know this seems so depressing it's just like they're gonna be so bad for so long i feel yep. for angels fans but um i said this i said this <laughs> oh yeah well, I mean, it, it, was, <laughs> it was inevitable yeah uh, yeah so i don't know it's it's they're starting to be like a, a situation where it's you know estevis and that's it because i don't really I don't know it could be a different holds situation every week mm-hmm. yeah it, it looks like Soriano is probably the only guy to even consider there Aaron Loop will probably get a decent amount of holds for the situation that he's in and how good he yeah. is but I mean I would not trust the skills there he's really not been good since landing in Anaheim so that's uh that's Carlos Estevez rising up the ranks I think another guy that is rising up the ranks and one that we touched on a little bit is Gio Gon- Giovanni Gallegos I almost called him Gio, Gio Gonzalez, Gonzalez. Oh. <laughs> um same initials um mm-hmm. but anyway uh with Jojo Romero hitting the IL, Ryan Helsley returning. Uh, it seems like Gallegos does get somewhat of a boost. He was sort of splitting opportunities there with Romero, um, but with Romero gone, it, it now seems like he might have more opportunities because it looked like Romero might start taking over that role full-time. And now mm-hmm. with Helsley back, I think Gallegos not only gets more opportunities because I think it'll be more evenly split, but I think he gets more opportunities in general because Helsley is going to be so limited in September. Yeah, that's that's it for me. Like the the fact that Helsley's not gonna, you know, have a full workload to to really be the closer there, and then there's really no one. I mean, Andre Palante, no Drew Verhagen, not really, not really interested. There's not really anyone else interesting here. So as much as Gallegos has kind of struggled at times in the closer role and. He's just, he's a guy who's like, when he's good, he's really good. When he's bad, he's really bad. And as long as you get catch him in a, you know, like a, a good, a good spurt, one of his heaters, he's a, a really valuable reliever, even if he's not getting a ton of saves. Yeah. And he hasn't really been good recently, but maybe yeah. September he can turn it around. Right. It hasn't started off too well. He just allowed two and runs in his most recent outing, but oh. he, he will get a, a at least a few save opportunities in September. So that's, uh, that's something to keep an eye on there. And who's uh, another guy rising up your ranks? Yeah. I, not a ton of movement here. I guess we already talked about him a little bit, but uh, Tyler Kenley, just because okay. I guess he's, he's a closer now and he could, yeah. he could have some sneaky, he could have some sneaky value um, down, down the stretch for basically nothing. I mean, I don't know what he's he's probably rostered under five percent in Yahoo leagues and most leagues probably outside of really deep, you know, sixteen team maybe NFBC formats. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Even still, there I 
you know, spoiler, definitely have a cl- using some of my remaining three dollars to try to to try to put in a claim for him this weekend. Yeah. Um, because yeah, he's, you, yeah, he's three percent rostered on Yahoo. Yeah, he's kind of the last. He might be the last remaining option you have to to um, if you're looking for saves, you know, in these deeper fo- uh, formats. Yeah, and I, I think people will likely have forgotten about him after yeah. uh, being injured for so long to start the season and then basically right back on the IL. But last year, in a 24-inning sample, he had a 0.75 ERA while striking out 27% of batters, and that came while pitching in Coors. So definitely some interesting stuff there. He's got a really good slider, and he leans on it a lot. His uh, PLV percentile is 74th percentile this year. Um, pretty good on that pitch. And he, like I said, he hasn't really gotten uh, into a groove this year because he hasn't pitched much. He also throws his fastball 96 miles per hour on average. So that'll play mostly a two pitch pitcher, but I, I, I think he's uh, somebody that should be pretty interesting as long as he continues to get those saves, because I, I wouldn't really trust any other reliever in Colorado. Just pitching in course is not great, but if you're in saves, I, I think it really doesn't matter too much. Yeah, that's where it's pretty much just if you're in roto leagues, you need saves. He's he's like maybe one of the last options you're going to have to add. Yep. Um, so those are the three guys rising the ranks. Carlos Estevez, Giovanni Gallegos and Tyler Kinley. So we'll now talk about some guys falling down the ranks. As Callan always says, as guys climb up the ranks, some have to fall. And these are those guys. We'll start off with Craig Kimbrell in Philadelphia. He's been struggling in the second half. I'm sure you didn't drop him too much because, uh, I mean, at this point in the season, it's really hard to make drastic changes like that. But he's definitely been struggling a little bit in the second half. I think since the All-Star break, his ERA is 3.68. Not terrible, but I I think since the beginning of August, it's been a lot worse. And that is correct, 4.85. Not great. Uh, The strikeouts have gone, and most Mm. notably, he's walking a lot of guys, and that's been a problem of his in the past, especially a guy that's a two-pitch pitcher who's pretty easy to figure it out if you, like, I don't know if you get his number. I feel like it's like, you know, what's going to come. It's either the fastball or the curveball. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sit on one or the other. Um, and he was so good in the first half, you know, it had like regression was inevitable, but it is somewhat disappointing, but also expected that he's struggling a little bit to close out the season. And Jose Alvarado got a save this past week. Yeah, that's, that was kind of the reason why I dropped him as much as I did was the fact that they, they, we, they went to, you know, Sunday they had, Kimbrell get the save and Alvarado pitch the eighth and then on Monday they flipped the script and had Alvarado pitch the ninth and Kimbrell work the eighth and sure magic could be matchup based but even still even if it is no matter what that's still you know that's a committee that's what we're talking about now so that's you know with only a month of the season left that that definitely hurts when if those two guys are forced to split up saves so uh, it gives Alvarado a little bit of hope or a little bit of a you know, a little bit of value in save-only leagues now, too, I guess. But he also hasn't been, you know, he still doesn't look right since he came back. I, It's a shame we're not going to see, you know, early season Jose Alvarado again, it looks like, at least anytime soon. So, um, but Kimbrell, yeah, the, the strikeouts went. They're just not there anymore. Um, and, yeah, if they if they feel like they need to kind of mix, mix things up in the ninth inning, then that's... Definitely not trending in the right direction for for Kimbrel. 
It doesn't really look like it was matchup based. It looks like uh, that's what I thought too. Yeah, Alvarado faced all righties, unless I don't know what Matthew Batten writes. He bats right. Um, yeah, I think he faced all righties because uh, I think Luis Campusano batted for Trent Grisham. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it was a matchup thing. So that that's definitely something to watch there. I feel like. Jose Alvarado probably rostered in a lot of leagues at this point because he's been so good this year. But yeah, that's uh, something to watch for sure. Um, who else is rising or falling down your ranks? Um, so, you know, he's been on this list one way or the other for a while, but I think Kyle, Kyle Finnegan's back on the, on the falling Uh-oh. list. Yeah. He, he hasn't pitched that well. Um, Let's see. Going back to, I think, his like last four outings, he's, you know, swinging miss stuffs down. He's starting to allow more, more runs, more hits. I, I think, you know, not only that, but Hunter Harvey's been mostly, and I'm not as up to date as of today. But I don't think Washington played today. Yeah, I mean, Hunter Harvey's been pretty much like flawless uh, over the past two weeks. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, I do think there's a chance. Um, Finnegan could lose lose the job. Yeah, he's allowed four runs over his last three, four, five, six in the third innings. Um, yeah, you know, only four strikeouts in that time, three walks or two walks. So yeah, there, there's there's three. What no, it's three walks. Yeah, there's you know he's kind of going back to being what we thought Kyle Finnegan was going to be. Um, Maybe he's just fatigued. It's been, I mean, they really, really leaned on him in, in yeah. August. He, he's 14, 14 outings. Yeah. I mean, he, he was great in August. The, you know, gave them 14 strong outings, 10 saves. Um, but now, yeah, no saves, no saves in September. And Hunter Harvey's pitching well. So, yeah, I wonder, I don't know how safe his, his job is right now. Sure. And to put some numbers to that, Hunter Harvey returned on August 15th. He's tossed 11 and a third innings since then, comes with a 0.79 ERA and 13 strikeouts. On the other hand, Kyle Finnegan, since Hunter Harvey returned 11.2 innings, he struck out just seven batters and it comes with a 4.63 ERA. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, those are pretty opposite numbers there. The strikeouts have disappeared for Finnegan. Hunter Harvey striking out a lot of guys, not allowing any runs, and Finnegan allowing a lot of runs. I doubt we'll see a change at the end of the season. The Nationals don't really have anything to play for at this point. But, yeah, it looks like Kyle Finnegan finally starting to uh, hit that that regression that we expected to come for a long time um but we can close it out with two more guys falling down the ranks carlos hernandez and gregory santos both in the al central uh carlos hernandez just not getting saves and rarely ever pitching and gregory santos pitching not getting saves and gave up a save opportunity to brian shaw yesterday yeah i i think santos might be done as for getting save chance i mean it's it's weird i it's i don't know how brian shaw has been pitching really good for them his strikeout numbers are like insane i don't know what that's about that's so random that the white Sox would just like they can't get anyone else in their bullpen to have any success and then brian shaw comes in at 36 and just becomes their best reliever um but yeah i, I wonder if shaw ends up finishing the year as the closer um and then with hernandez yeah it's just lack of chances and when he gets chances I mean he had a horrible August he then not a great start to September as well so uh, it's just, it's both these guys you know I we had some 
high hopes for after the trade deadline and it has not panned out yet. Yeah, and they're using Shaw like crazy. I, it, yeah. Since August, I think he's tossed over 20 innings, which is quite a bit for uh, less than a month and a half. Uh, pretty weird at this stage in it his is. career. I don't, um, yeah. 35 years old. But yeah, I, I had some high hopes for Santos. I think they'll have to wait for the offseason mm-hmm. and then maybe we can put him in the guys we were right about when he finally mm-hmm. becomes a good closer. I mean, he's been really very solid this year, yes. um, but just hasn't had many save opportunities since becoming the closer and then also has had a couple bouts of uh, struggles throughout the year, but I think that's what comes with a 24 year old pitcher mm. that throws really hard, but that, yeah, that's uh, unfortunate there. And then Carlos Hernandez just, yeah, I mean, the the Royals are so bad. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing you can do really. It's yeah. That's the Royals. Well, those are the guys falling down the ranks. Craig Kimbrell, Kyle Finnegan, Carlos Hernandez, and Gregory Santos. We're going to take another break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about the players we were right about in the preseason here on in the pen. And we're back on In the Pen. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham talking relievers. We're going to talk about the players we were right about just to uh, give a little bit more about this segment. Um, We discussed plenty of relievers in the preseason, uh, many of which we were wrong about, but that doesn't mean we were wrong about everybody that we had strong opinions on. So it's time to take some victory laps. I know at this point it's sort of weird, especially for relief pitchers that it's like you could take a victory lap now and then a guy could totally ruin his season oh, yeah. in like two weeks so we may be eating some more crow <laughs> here and just that'll be really funny we talk about a guy here in this segment and then next week it's like we were wrong about this yeah. guy um, but yeah we're gonna cover one two three four five six seven eight guys that we believe we were right about at least somewhat both in the positive and negative direction um, just to take some victory laps and, and see you know, what processes we took in the preseason that led to us getting these guys right and how we can carry that over into next season. But uh, you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We'll start off with the big one that I think everybody knew was coming. If you listen to this podcast for the past year, Pete Fairbanks, this one was uh, it sort of waffled in, in terms of whether or not we were right. But I think the way that it's ultimately turned out is we were right. Um, I was so high on him. I, I know you were high on him. Callen was also high on him. He was just so good in the second half last year. And then this year, he struggled with injuries, um, twice hit the IL, um, but has been able to hold on to the closer role every single time that he's been up, which is super weird. I, I don't think any of us saw that. Um, the 20 saves that he has this year are sort of what I predicted he would have if he like pitched the whole season. And the Rays sort of did their goofy stuff mm-hmm. and didn't land on a on a closer and sort of just switch things up. So that's like about what I expected. I think it's just the innings aren't really there and the strikeouts weren't as high as we thought. But 34% strikeout rate. He's got an ERA of 2.41. He's got 20 saves across 37 innings. I will definitely take that, especially with the replacement value that you had when he was on the IL. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point because, you know, you, you kind of know or you at this point you should know Fairbanks is probably going to miss some time yeah. every season with, you know, at least one aisle stint. So um, it was really, and we had no, I mean, obviously we had no like information, but like just the fact that the Rays actually was stuck with one closer. And even like you said, with Fairbanks was out, it was Adam. Yeah. They so never weird. bounced back and forth between two different guys at one time. Uh-huh. It was 
clear cut roles in that in that back end of that bullpen, which is definitely refreshing from a fantasy perspective. And yep. you know, watch, we're gonna be super high on Fairbanks next year, and he's gonna start splitting the role with someone because the Rays like to do that type of thing. But um, yeah. Yeah, he, he was, you know, it started off a little slow, the injuries and just, you know, he wasn't getting a ton of swing and misses. But then like, we kind of, you know, we stuck with him through the second half. And just like last year, you know, he was a second half guy last year and he has yep. been this year as well. So, yeah, it's definitely been great to see him, you know, get to the 20 save mark as well. And, you know, just be be a dominant reliever this season. So what do you think we can take from this victory lap that uh, we can bring into our analysis this offseason is it just guys that were that are good down the stretch like take a look at successful relievers towards the end of the year and see if those skills that they displayed then are things that they might, might be able to carry over into the next season that's definitely one thing yeah i mean when i going into like a new season trying to you know get like the starter my starter rankings you know it's not i don't just look at stats and numbers from last season i look at numbers from last season as a whole but this at the same like the same value i i want the stats from this like the second half of the season as well because you know especially for relievers it can be a tale of two seasons there's yeah you know i think anything over for reliever like 20 to 25 innings pitch is a sample size that you can kind of work with and trust a little bit so you know relievers are always tinkering changing things up uh, adding pitches just you know adding different things so you know what they do in the second half i feel is more um is is more important than what they do you know in the first half or over a full season sure uh next guy we'll take a victory lap on is yoan duran of the twins we all thought that he would have the most saves for the twins despite it not being clear that he was going to be the closer to open the year it looked like mm. we would have somewhat of a committee with him and jorge lopez because that's what we saw in the second half of last year and we all were not really convinced with how lopez pitched for the twins and yon duran one of the brightest young relievers in baseball it seemed like skills were going to win over there and that he was going to take over that closer role and that's exactly what happened he's was really incredible this year 24 saves were not really what we would have hoped for for a guy that was the closer the whole year especially with his stuff but we'll take it 2.60 era comes with a strikeout rate of 33 percent that's really good i still think there's a higher potential for him in terms of uh ratios and strikeouts and stuff but this is really good i mean just the fact like last year he was really great 1.86 era but he only had eight saves so i think quadrupling those saves i can't do math Tripling those saves uh, is very, very beneficial, especially since we were so high on him in the preseason. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we'll definitely take this season from him, especially where broken uh, back. I remember him being in that kind of pick 150 range, 150 mm-hmm. to 160 range with um, I don't know, like, you know, he was going after Scott Barlow and he was going know. after Munoz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Seawald and Munoz were, were both kind of going above him. So. Uh, there was obviously a lot of, you know, speculation as to, well, it makes sense, you know, it probably makes sense for him to be more of the setup guy again with, you know, Lopez being the closer. And that just, yeah, that didn't, didn't last long at all. Mm-hmm. Um, partially to do with how good Duran was, partially to do with how bad Lopez had pitched. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, 24 saves, probably going to, probably won't get to 30 saves, but he's definitely going to get to 25 plus. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely take that from, 
that value from where he was going in drafts. And, you know, 75 strikeouts already, so he's going to break 80 probably. So that's that. It's a really good season for him. Yeah, and I feel like the lesson here is pretty clear that it's like you just want to trust skills. If yeah. there's a, what seems to be a committee or or a potential closer of the future that's sort of on the cups, cusp there, uh, either with age or, or lack of uh experience in the majors. I, I think you just always want to side with skills there because even if things don't work out, the guy doesn't become the closer. He will likely have the best ratios and the best uh, strikeout numbers. And that's, that's always good to have on your team, especially for a guy as elite as Yohan Duran. So that's, those are definitely some guys that we'll be looking out for in the offseason. The guys that may not have been the closer full time this year or at all this year, but clearly have the skills to be a closer and are are pretty close to taking that over. So uh, th- that one, I, I think, is a, a pretty clear lesson. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's especially in that range where we talk about, you know, pick middle 100s, you know, that that's where you kind of want to take a chance on skills and upside versus just you know, having a job, having the job for opening day. Cause that never, you know, that could change in a week or two. So yeah, yeah go, go with the skills over status. We'll also take a victory lap, uh, with Paul Seawald, who pitched for the Mariners and the Diamondbacks this year. I think the consensus here was that many people were concerned that he was going to split time with Andres Munoz, mm-hmm. but we looked at the usage last year and also looked at Andres Munoz's injury history and it all suggested that Paul Seawald would likely have the majority of the saves because that's what he had last year. So I I really thought that everybody was just going, oh, Andres Munoz throws harder, so he's going to be the guy who's the closer. And I think this is a, a situation where it's like, oh, this guy has better skills, so he's going to be the closer. But I don't I don't know if Seawald has bad skills. I, I think that's just that's something thing, that people yeah. overlooked, that yeah. they were undervaluing his skills because he doesn't throw as hard as Andres Munoz. And so far this year, 30 saves, 3.29 ERA, 33% strikeout rate. That I mean, we'll absolutely take that. Yeah, that's because it, it's funny to go with him right after Duran because we talked about Duran. Exactly. Take, take the skills. And yeah, Munoz did have, well, yeah, we'll say he's got more. He's got the higher upside of Seawald. Um, he's got better stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, But it's not to say that, I mean, Seawald was really good last year. Yeah. He was good the second half of 2021. I mean, it's not like there is, you know, it's not like he's just, you know, Jorge Lopez who came into Minnesota and was bad for the second half of, yeah. you know, uh, 2022. So I, I, I think this is a situation where I, I like what you said. It's kind of, we looked at, um, you know, usage in September of 2022 to kind of get a gauge for, all right. So pretty much the same bullpens here and intact minus, I think Swanson was the only big name who, who, yeah. who didn't end up being there. Um, so let's just see how they use, you know, how they used everyone in September and August of last year. And it did definitely pointed to Seawald being the guy. So, you know, there was nothing to suggest that that wouldn't be the same case to start the year this year. So that's why I was, you know, I think I had him 10 or something to start the year. And I know we talked him up a lot. We all had him as the, the highest, uh, having the number, the most saves in Seattle. So, mm-hmm. um, as much as stuff matters, if you have a guy like Seawall who's still very good, still an all-star type reliever, um, then then you you look at usage, and that that's yeah. when the, that's when usage kind of becomes that tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Um, well, this next guy, we mentioned him earlier. He landed on the IL, and that's Daniel Bard of the Rockies. He was really good last season. 1.79 ERA. He had 34 saves. He struck out 28% of batters, but none of us were really convinced. He was lucky in a lot of areas, and he's also very old, 38, and pitching in course. And there were so many factors that led me to completely avoid him everywhere. You couldn't really completely drop him off your closer ranks because he was the closer to open the year. And then basically as soon as the year started, uh, everything sort of went exactly as we expected. Uh, Just five, uh, six appearances into the season and he allowed his first run and it was sort of all downhill from there. He had a 4.70 ERA this year, got just one save and struck out less than 20% of batters, really not great. And I think he was pretty lucky too. 6.81 XFIP suggests that he was really, really bad. And yeah, I I feel like this one was so obvious and we were just vehemently opposed to even considering drafting him at any point. I mean, it was always just like the, like buy or sell. And it was like, buy Pete Fairbanks, sell Daniel Bard. And it was always just like so clear to me. And I'm sure there are many drafters out there that like just didn't listen to us. And they were just like, he's the closer. I I don't really care. He was really good last year. Sub two ERA, got a lot of strikeouts and they just went for it. And basically got negative value there. So, I mean, yeah, I I think that one was really clear, but the fact that we were like so staunch in our our beliefs, I think that was really important. So, (laughs) yeah, he, he's been, I mean, so that's what, that's a guy where we, you take, you look at the, um, the, uh, X stats and all all the underlying metrics. And that's where you see those from last year. And you're like, Nope, this isn't happening again. Mm -hmm. He's kind of the, uh, Alex Colomay, Mark Melanson, like buyer beware, mm-hmm. um, closer option for the season. Um, how bad he's been. Well, I, so of any reliever of all the relievers who have had at least 20 innings and he's thrown 46 innings, uh, anyone that's thrown at least 20 innings, uh, he has the worst XFIP in, in amongst all relievers and the worst wow. Sierra, uh, I think he might be the only one with a negative. Yep, the only one with a negative strikeout to walk rate. Yeah, forty five walks to forty three <laughs> strikeouts. Yeah, um, it's been a really tough year for him. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was so obvious. It was yeah, so obvious. Yeah, it was I would have been so one. surprised if it worked out again. Yeah, and it's like the Rockies too. It's like the Rockies pitching development. You're just like, okay, if he starts to struggle, they're not going to help him out at all. And then, yeah. yeah, I think he was dealing with like the yips and like mental health stuff too. So it was really just like a disaster season for him, and it was easily avoidable. You just don't draft him. But mm-hmm. I, I'm sure some people got really desperate at, at points in their drafts and went for it, and it just didn't work out. But yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. If if all of the underlying metrics and and all the the numbers the the peripherals including age and and situation all add up to a guy that you like you should avoid don't just say oh he's the closer he was good last year i'm gonna go for it i'm gonna take my chances it like usually you should be trusting those numbers trusting your gut there yeah exactly that's that's like we were kind of talking before it's like the it seems like the easy one but um you still have to yeah just trust, yeah, trust the uh, trust the underlying numbers. More often uh-huh. than not, they will be right. Yep. And then uh, another guy that we already talked about, Ryan Helsley of the Cardinals. I wouldn't say we were as opposed to drafting him as we were for Daniel Bard, but this was a guy going in t- inside the top 100, and we were opposed to that because mm-hmm. not only was last year pretty much 
he was not going to replicate that. But also, this is a guy with an extensive injury history, and also he did not have a clear claim to that closer role in St. Louis. It looked like he was going to split time with Giovanni Gallegos like he did last year. And after posting a 1.25 ERA with 19 saves this year, three ERA, seven saves, 33% strikeout rate just about, but it came across just 27 innings because he was on the L on the IL for a while. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, like you said, it's, we weren't out on him, but it's like, he doesn't need to, there's no reason to draft him inside the top 100. And I remember in um, our TGFBI league, he went really, he went like and pick like around pick 110 to 120. And I was, I kept passing. I'm like, ah, maybe it's time. I don't know. Um, but I still ended up just like something, you know, it's, it's like with Pete Fairbanks and him before the season, I know it looks different now, but. Looking at them before the season, there's not a huge difference yet. There's a there was a probably about an eighty pick difference in, in mm-hmm. ADP. Yeah, and you're still talking about guys who are often injured. Who you know the stuff's awesome, throw hard, uh, but they're also dealing with some sort of committee, uh, you know, thing too. With Helsley dealing with Gallegos, Fairbanks dealing with Adams, so. You know, it just seemed like, you know, I'm just going to wait and take, you know, I'd, I'd rather just, if, if Helsley's like my only option there, I'd rather just wait and on, take a chance on a Fairbanks or, you know, Duran. Yeah, I think that's a really good parallel there. And I feel like the lesson to learn here is if you're not like super sold on a guy and you feel like the ADP is too high, then you just wait for somebody else. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like you'll you'll see somebody who had a breakout season the year before and they'll just get bumped up because they're the new shiny toy. And Ryan Helsley was so good in 2022. It was definitely warranted that people were really hyped about him, but he wasn't the clear closer. And I think when you're drafting closers, especially inside the top 100 or even inside the top 125, you got to be like at least like 80% certain that they're going to get the majority of the saves, if not all of the saves. And that was not the case with Helsley. And he had just one year of, of success. Like, I, like you can look at the underlying metrics and his stuff was, was so good. So you can say like, Oh, I, I believe that he's going to be just as good the following year, but it's like, okay, even if he is, he's got Giovanni Gallegos to deal with and an extensive injury history. So I think mm. there was a lot of stuff pointing to that price being a little too high. And, and I think that's, that's something to be wary of next year that when, when guys are going in the top 100, they should be the best of the best closers with a hundred percent certain role. Yeah. I, you don't want, you really don't want to take a committee guy in the top 100 unless you're in one of those super, um, you know, roto leagues where closers just fly off the board in the first couple uh-huh. of rounds. And I guess maybe you feel pressed to, to do the same, but even still it's, it's tough to just, I don't know for me, it's tough to justify that because there's this year we got a little bit lucky. I feel like closers have been good. They've for the most part, there hasn't been too many busts like in the top, mm-hmm. you know, the top, top group of closers. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough to justify taking a chance on someone who might be in a committee top 100. Yeah, and I'll, I'll quickly mention, uh, this is not a guy we'll take a victory lap on, but both Callan and I had Emmanuel Classe as the MLB leader in saves. And while he has not been great this year, definitely would not take a victory lap on him. He does lead baseball in saves with 38. So that's, uh, that's an interesting point there. But we'll move on to another one that I, I think I'll t- just take personally because I don't think anybody mm-hmm. was backing me up on this one. But Bruce Dark Gratterall, and, and this one's sort of, interesting as well because I I said he would be the closer for the Dodgers and he hasn't been the closer this year. He's got seven saves. He's got a 
19% strikeout rate, both not great numbers, but he has been really good. 1.38 ERA is nearly two runs below what he was at last year. So I'll, I'll, I was super high on him, uh, but he was going after pick 300. So it wasn't like you were going too crazy and seven saves is pretty decent, but to have ratios that good is, is really, uh, it, it it does really well for you in, in fantasy, um, no matter what. And Rick looked up how good he's been by the Yahoo player Raider and they had him at number 100. So I'll definitely take a victory lap on that one. Even if he didn't quite get as high as I thought he would, he's had a really, really good season and I was really high on him. Yeah. Um, I do. I know I was surprised. I know he's been really good. It's been a really quiet season. Again, like the thing for me is I've always, I just want to see those strikeout numbers jump up and they haven't yeah. this year, but he's still like the ERA is under two. I mean, he's still just a very effective reliever. Um, who's, a don- yeah, I mean, he, he pretty much just like cleanses your ratios week in and week out because yeah. he, he doesn't allow any runs really. So definitely value. Yeah, I was surprised to see him the 100 on our, in our, um, Pitcherless mm-hmm. league. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive for someone who has. I don't. How many saves does he have in the year? I, seven. Seven. Okay. So something. Yeah. He, he's definitely. But just yeah. That's mixed. Va- that's mixed league value there. Still top one hundred uh-huh. player. Yeah, and I, I'm not really sure what to take from this one. Um, like he gets a lot of ground balls, and he and I, I think he's just like a, a good pitcher. I, I I really I'm not sure what to take from this one. I, I just felt like. He has been good in the past, and I, I thought he might be better this year, and he was better this year, which is crazy. He's been really lucky, I think, because his XFIP is worse than it was last year. Yeah, that is. I don't. He's like one of those guys who I think is just. You, it's going to be hard to kind of like judge him off of some X stats, and you know, his, like his player uh, value or pitch value numbers. I think it was what pitcherless or PLV value had him really high and I, I don't know if it was stuff plus or one of the other one of the other you know mm-hmm. sources I, I think it was he was low and it's like it's it's he's going to be really because he's just a heavy sinker baller yeah that's his know, only good pitch 94 percentile plv and everything else is below yeah 50. yeah just throw a heavy sinker just throw a bowling ball get ground balls and yeah it's just you know he, he's different from everyone else but right now you know, I, I it's going to be tough to, to rank him next season. I feel like because it's it's like I everything's telling me to you know not be high on him, but then at the same time he's now done this for like two straight seasons, so it, it's like kind of a and it's the Dodgers and it's the Dodgers, so it's like yeah they're not going to make him worse. You know, it's yeah. So yeah, I, I yeah I like and he's still young too. He's still mm-hmm. super young. Maybe he develops a better slider and starts getting swings Hopefully. and misses. That so would be yeah. Sick. That's I what mean, I thought was going to happen this year. Yeah, he's 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 close there. Uh, he, he he could be could have a huge breakout anytime now. Well, that's uh that's that one, and then we'll wrap <laughs> up with two that are sort of in the same boat. Uh, AJ Puck and Alex Lang. We both thought that they would be the closers for their teams. I think uh, Puck more controversial than Lang because Puck was had a little bit of competition with Dylan Floro there. Lang sort of had no competition at all. And these are in the same boat because they gave you a lot of value in the first half. They got you a lot of saves, and then everything sort of fell apart in the second half. Neither are really the closer for their respective teams anymore. But I mean, you sort of gotta 
take the wins where you can. Puck was great in the first half, and Alex Lang was great in the first half as well. Got you a lot of saves, and then uh, not so much anymore. But I, I, I think overall, the value that they gave you in the first half, especially if you jumped off the ship before uh, it rode ashore, I think that's uh, that you probably feel pretty good about those picks. Yeah, I think like you like the first three months, you definitely got a lot of good value for them, and. You th- yeah, the, the the lesson here, or I guess the takeaway here is they were guys you were taking, you know, shots on late in drafts at the end of drafts. So, you know, you weren't giving up, you weren't, you know, using high picks on them. You weren't spending a ton of money in, you know, auction drafts on them. They were, you know, good dart throws at the end of drafts that I think we, we discussed earlier on and were pretty, I think I had both of them in the top 20 uh, heading into the season. So I, I think the value is pretty solid for, you you basically got what you what you came for there or what you what you you know were expecting to draft there so not huge hits but um definitely guys that I think you're happy with rostering for the first half of the year yeah we'll take it um, but that'll wrap up our victory laps for this season to run down the list again Pete Fairbanks Yohan Duran Paul Seawald Daniel Bard Ryan Helsley Bruce R. Gratterall and AJ Puck as well as Alex Lang. Next week, like I said, we'll talk about the players we were wrong about. So if this one was too positive uh, for the listeners, for your taste, and you want to hear us talk about how stupid we are, then stay definitely stay tuned for next week. I honestly think that'll be more fun because um, I, I think it's really interesting to be like, oh, this is what we thought and we were completely wrong. Um, and I think we'll have a much longer list next week too. Uh, so that'll definitely be interesting to talk about. But that'll wrap up this episode of In the Pen. Rick, Plug your stuff. What are you working on right now? And uh, let everybody know where they can find all your work. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Still plugging away uh, reliever rankings. And I know, you know, it's late in the year and um, we're starting to get into football season. But there's yep. still, like we said, this is an interesting, you know, interesting part of the baseball year as well. It's It's really, I mean, it's definitely a good time to be a sports fan and you know i you know if you have pl plus or if you want to join pl plus or pl pro you know we have a bunch of we have chats for both baseball and football mm-hmm. um our qb list team does a great job i used to i used to work with, over there qb list um it's the great group of you know really smart smart people um bringing you a lot of good fantasy info i i the fact that i, I love it because like no one else. I mean, I, I usually win. I've been winning. I've been having success in leagues because, um, you know, just those guys are really think outside the box and you know, I get a lot of good value from, from their stuff. So, you know, definitely something to think of. This is a great time of year. Again, we, we have a lot of, you know, a lot of good discussions going on. So yeah, PL plus PL pro members definitely worth looking into for not just baseball related stuff, but, football stuff as well now that we're into september as as callan knows <laughs> yes he does but he's mm-hmm. not here so i, uh, I won't stand for it <laughs> he's but definitely yeah, please, a football guy yeah he is please please support qb list um I, i'm sure it's a great website i don't think i've ever been on it <laughs> yeah you- <laughs> we'll get but, you uh, we'll get you basketball lists up and running soon i, I like 
I like basketball. I like watching basketball. I'm a Warriors guy. So, I mean, of course, I've had a lot of success in, in recent years, but yeah. I, I don't even follow basketball that closely either. Yeah. I definitely, clo- definitely more so than football, but I'm just like a baseball 24 seven. And then usually actually when the off season starts, that's when I start playing Pokemon. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm just well. like, I, I get a little sick of playing them on be the show. And I'm just like, all right, let's, let's fire up some Mix Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. Uh, I need to update it, but you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. You can check out my other podcasts, Free Baseball. It's on at Athletes Hub on Twitter or on my Twitter, as well as the First Pitch Podcast, which is Pitcherless Daily Podcast, and I do the weekend edition, so check there every Saturday and Sunday mornings for that. I also do the Really Ranks article, and if you're interested in reading about Cabrian Hayes, I came out with an article uh, on the 31st, that one came out. So give that one a read as well, but that'll do it for this episode of in the pen. Check back with us next Friday morning for the next edition. We'll be talking about players we were wrong about, but we will talk to you all next week.